Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. On today's episode, we're going to dive into what you need to know to create your online course right now. That's why this episode is called Quick Course Creation. If you already have a course or two, listen in for tips on how to sharpen your offering. In today's virtual world, this is one of the best ways to shore up our income as speakers. Let's get started. On today's episode of Voice of Experience, we have with us Molly Wendell CSP. And Molly's going to share with us a little bit about quick course creation. Now, what do you need to know about Molly? Just under three years ago, she created her first online course that generated six figures in her first six months. And she has been creating courses ever since. Molly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Crystal. I'm excited because people people need courses right now. So let's talk. Especially right now, we're, we're living in a different speaking environment where many people are having to explore virtual. And I think courses are just an extension of this. But for those that are listening to us, Molly, that maybe they're not sold or they don't really understand, why do you think speakers should care about creating courses right now? So, so that's a couple reasons. One is the first big reason that you'll look at is it's an additional revenue stream. And so adding an additional revenue stream, they always say as speakers, you need at least seven revenue streams to be very ultra successful, right? And so this just gives you another revenue stream. But here's what happens. Here's what happens when you create an online course. And it's not just about creating an online course. What happens is your mind shifts. You shift to scale. You think differently. So the, the benefit of having an online product is not necessarily just having an online course and having that revenue stream. But what it does is it makes you think differently about how you show up in person as well, as well as online. So um, so I have to tell you that my business is so different from three years ago when I first thought, I'll just add online courses to my world. Mm -hmm. And I did that. But all of a sudden, my in-person world changed, too, because I took some online course fundamentals and things that I learned in the online course world, Mm -hmm. and I applied them to the in-person. And now I have bigger projects and proposals with clients that I I wouldn't have had elsewhere if I had not been doing online courses. So it's like the the rising... uh, What's that tide that rises all boats, right? Mm-hmm. Your online course is that tide that rises all the rest of your boats, too. I'm going to tell you, Molly, you completely blew me away because I was expecting you to talk about an additional stream of income or even talk about the fact that, you know, there might be people listening to us right now, like myself. I'm a keynoter, right? And that's how I made my money. And we've had to have these shifts. So I expect you to talk about the revenue piece. I wasn't expecting you to say that it changes the outlook of your whole business and makes you think bigger. Yeah, what's also interesting, Crystal, is the people I know who have who have online courses are speaking on far bigger, the average person who has online courses are speaking on far bigger stages than the people who are speakers who are adding an online course. So I, I would tell you that it's going to it's going to affect your speaking business in a bigger way, but, but really just the outlook, it's it's fascinating and I would have never known it had I not gotten into it, but I'm so thankful I did because how I show up for for everything Mm -hmm. is so different because of this foundation of the online course world, the online business world, membership, coaching, whatever it might be. Okay. That's powerful. 
All right, so Molly, now we're sold. You've, you've basically told us how creating a course will revolutionize our business on several different levels. It sounds like it even creates a tribe based on the last thing you said. What's a realistic amount of time to go from deciding to create a course to having one available for sale? It, I, I think this is almost like writing a book where someone who's never written a book, they're like, well, how much time does it take? And you get all these different answers. Is there a realistic amount of time for course creation? So it's it's interesting you say that and you you uh, kind of re- relate it to writing a book. My my first book that I wrote took me forty five days. My second book I wrote took me three years. Mm-hmm. When I decided to take my content and turn it into a course, my first course took me one hundred and twenty days. It mm-hmm. took me the the first thirty days. I was I, I did it all wrong. I will tell you that much. <laughs> but um, but I was filming within the first two weeks, and oh. only because I needed that forcing function. Otherwise, I. I I could have just kept putting it out and putting it out. That's a big problem in course creation. Okay. And, but I spent also 30 days on figuring out a platform out of that 120 where I spent most of my time and where you should spend most of your time, because most of these speakers, they know their content. The content is not the issue. The the order of the content and how much should be in there versus how much should not that there's a, there's some conversation around that, but the biggest um, difference with an online course is that it's a transformation. You know, those keynote speeches are, they're motivational. Books are informational. Courses are transformational. So when you're building your course, you wanna make sure they're making a transformation. But in order to do that, your students need to have to do some work. And I always talk about courses need to be 25% teaching and 75% them doing the work. And so, in the 120 days it took me to build my first course, I spent an inordinate amount of time on deliverables, on the downloads, on the cheat sheets, the checklists, the how-tos, the worksheets, all the work that they need to do to get to that transformation. So the people who say, well, I've already got a lot of stuff. I'm going to I'm gonna say, well, we might need to rethink what you already have mm-hmm. and, and take a look at that because it might need to be redone in a course mindset. I would say... Because I know how to do it, it took me 120 days. I, I I created another one in 93 days. I was really shooting for an under 90 days. Oh, I was so trying, but I, I hit 93. But I would say I think we'll give you for that, Molly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll round down. Okay. But I think realistically, people should expect it to take four to six months. Okay. And and I will tell you that I did mine part-time. It wasn't a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. And so, but you've got to do the work and you've got to schedule time to do the work. I feel like also you've got to create a great product. Don't be lazy. Don't just cobble something together, throw it up there and say, here's my online course, because it's going to be really hard to sell. But when you do your product right, when you create it right, mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier to sell. But honestly, four months at a minimum six months may be more realistic, depends on how much time you have to dedicate to it, mm-hmm. depends on how much thinking you need to do, depends on how much already is done, that type. So there's no one perfect answer, I would say, but it shouldn't take you a year. If it's taking you a year, you're taking too long. Okay. Okay. So we know we can have this in under a year. I love what you said about transformation versus motivation. Because many of us on stage, we're not, we like to think that we are, but we're typically not delivering transformation, right? We might give someone one mind-blowing thought that makes them, we might shift focus, but in an hour on stage, now I know that some of us are trainers and some of us are facilitators and it looks different. 
But I, which when you said transformation, that drove home the point that no matter how much content you have, you're going to have to add additional things so that people, it's almost like a choose your own adventure. People have to lead themselves to some answers. Am, am I on the right track here? You're on the right track. However, it's not a choose your own adventure. It's choose the adventure I decide to give you based on the Ooh. promise I'm, I'm promising you. Okay. Because uh, because the, the transformation you're promising is kind of like your money back guarantee. Okay. When, what you're saying is, hey, when you take my course, mm -hmm. I promise you that you'll get this result if you do the work. And here's the work that you need to do. And if you don't do the work, that's not my fault. That's not my problem, right? Mm -hmm. but, but I can lead you to the water, but you need to do the drinking. So the, the adventure or the transformation, you're dictating what that transformation will be, not dictating. You're proclaiming what that transformation will be. Okay. And those who want that transformation will buy your course and those who don't won't, right? Which, which is great. But a lot of people, this is where, this is where speakers, I think, really trip up. Mm -hmm. is that they think about a course or a training as I'm going to deliver it. And they get the delivery part kind of, right? Okay. But then, then they don't have the students do the work or they do a fill in the blank. I mean, those, those are not Ooh. doing the work. Those are not enabling a transformation. So that's where a lot of work for speakers, that's where they have to do some hard thinking mm -hmm. and spend some time. And I think that that's where the deliverables of the downloads, that's where you got to spend the time on those and do them right, because that's going to make or break your course. You recording your videos, most speakers are great on video, right? Okay. And and if you're not audio over slides, people make millions of dollars doing audios over slides. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. But really spending time on the downloads, the deliverables, making sure you're including the right information to get to the other side, not all the information. This makes sense because, I mean, there are people who create courses for a living, not not as speakers, but I mean, there are people who do this for organizations. So it makes sense that, that you say that as speakers, it really requires many of us to to tap into something different because that's that's not normally what we do in 60 minutes or 90 minutes or even a half day. So that's right. powerful. And I also love the fact that you said, you know, we're leading the horses to water, but some people just like to be thirsty ponies. All right. So... <laughs> So next for you, is there some, for someone who's listening right now and that they're sold, they're saying, okay, I'm ready to invest these six months because, you know, I look at this as an investment. I, I use the word investment on purpose. It sounds to me like this is something like writing a book where you, you know, you put time into on the front end and the payoff is really wonderful on the back end. So for those that are sold, what three or four steps would you share to get them started right now? I, I would say the number one is decide what you want to start with. You know, what, what's the piece of content that you want to start with? A lot of people will say, oh, I have this book. I want to turn it into a course. Mm -hmm. And I say, that's great. We're not going to turn the whole book into the course. There's only certain chapters or certain pages. There's, there's people who they say, you know, I have this book, but the only thing that people seem to care about is chapter four. I go, well, great. Chapter four is your course. That's what your course is going to be about. Mm -hmm. So, but it, but it comes back to what's your course about and what promise are you guaranteeing if you do the work, you will get you will get this transformation. Mm -hmm. And also, 
decide that start with something that's going to make money. <laughs> there's, no, there's no glory in creating this great course that nobody wants to buy, right? Mm. So, And you want to make sure you have a business justification or a business case for it. So a lot of speakers, they get hired to speak about a certain thing. Mm. There's a business justification, right? People right. are already paying me to talk about this particular thing. Right. And so that probably lends itself nicely to a course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say, number one, decide you're going to start. Number two, start. don't start with all the things. Start with one thing. But I also like that one thing in the back of your mind to potentially lead to another thing. Because if people like your first course, they're going to want to buy your second course. And they're going to want to buy your third course. And if your first course is for audience A and your second course is for audience B, you never get that transference, that that additional revenue. You never get people continually more on board with you and you and you. Okay. It does. It sounds like you're saying start with the end in mind and, and think about while you're designing one course, it sounds like we need to have in the back of our mind, we need to be ready to have additional courses for these same people to graduate into after we deliver the first transformation, like any transformation in life, there's usually levels to it. Is, am right, I, right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But also think about what audience do you like to serve? Mm. Because if you're creating a course for an audience you don't necessarily like to serve, okay. you know, maybe that's a great one-off and you can quit talking about it and move on to what you really want to do. That, mm. That's fine. But if you have an audience that you really like to serve, you're going to, this is a crazy thing about courses, mm-hmm. in the middle of your first course development, you're going to come up with three or four more courses inside that first idea. Mm. And you just put them aside. <laughs> I, I think I mapped out three courses within my first course. Oh, wow. and, and it was, it was cool. And one of them I built and one of them I didn't. And two, two I built and one I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's still on my wall. Mm-hmm. But but I know that I have more opportunity to, to sell to the same audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your best customers, the customer who's already a customer, right? Right. And so just thinking about how you continually serve that same audience with, with, in a bigger and better way. You don't have to have all the answers up front. You mm-hmm. just have to decide that that's the audience you enjoy working with. Okay. Okay. Can I tell you something funny? Yeah. Okay. So I have a course for executives in the job search. It's called the executive job search, right? Okay. And uh, people would say, oh, you, you should build a course for college students on job search. And I do not like talking to college students. <laughs> it is, it's funny because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could help them. Sure. But they don't get my jokes. They, right. they, they're not in as much pain. And, but it was a, it's a real good example of build something for an audience that you enjoy working with that, that works for you. Don't build, don't build a course just because it'll work for them. Make sure it works for you too. That's a great point because I've had clients before that say, you know, you should do this kind of program, Crystal. Just when I did more social media, you should do this for high schools. And uh-huh. it's not that I've never been hired by high schools. I just typically say no and don't want to. That's just my truth, right? And right. so it sounds like something similar for courses where you want to make sure that you're not only delighting, but you're being delighted by the people that, that you're reaching out to. It doesn't mean everyone's not valuable, but it sounds like you're saying, hey, go play with the people you enjoy playing with. Well, and and here's the cool thing. The people who love serving that audience will go serve that audience. So you don't have to, right? So so that's a good thing. The other thing I want to mention in this is getting started. A lot of people, 
will start with doing list building. A lot of people will start with doing a lead magnet, an opt-in, something to get people's email address. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. But the problem is they're going to spend all that time doing that that opt-in, the lead magnet, the list building. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they'll spend months and months doing that. And, and after months and months of work, they'll have nothing to show for it because they never built a product to sell. And so oh. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of building a product and then doing the list building because then you, you're actually smarter about the list building you're doing too. But I think it makes a huge difference when you already have something to sell. Mm-hmm. So that when someone says, oh my gosh, this is great. What else you got? Or what, what can I buy from you? You say, this is what you can buy from me. <laughs> and so it, it's just a big, it's something I've noticed in the course creation world mm-hmm. as I've been involved with different groups, tons and tons of people and groups. And I, I've recognized that people who are doing all kinds of list building efforts to help create their list or make it better mm-hmm. uh, and never spend time building the product Two years later, three years later, still don't have a product to still and still aren't making any revenue from it. So it's just a something to be on the lookout for. That's interesting. I don't know, you know, the, the folks that are with us right now, I don't know if I'm I just wasn't aware, but I didn't realize people actually built list in the product later. I I just didn't know that was a thing. So you actually educated me. Now I know not to do it anyways, but I, I wouldn't have even thought to do it. So um I think because of speakers, we often have lists already, right? And so, so maybe we don't think about it as much. That's probably why. But the, the, typically, a lot of course people are not speakers. So, makes sense. So we have a competitive advantage. Okay. Yeah. So you you mentioned doing video. Okay. Mm-hmm. Question of the day: Do you do it professional? Do you hire a team? Or do you do it yourself? We all have these fancy, fancy Logitech HD cameras or whatever that most of us have right now. And so do we just do it ourselves at our desk or what do you suggest? Do you want to hear Molly's advice? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week for the conclusion of Quick Course Creation. Ah, yeah, I did it to you. Plus, next week, Molly is going to share a tactic that will not only upgrade your course, but all of your virtual presentation. Not only that, she's going to share all the juicy tech tools you can use to create a truly compelling course. Thank you for tuning into Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.